just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well. Your weekend is uh, turning out the way you'd hoped to turn. We're going to be headed back into yet another week by the time you hear this. Uh, this is Sunday night going into an early Monday morning that I'm recording. So we'll see about a lot of things happening coming this week. And, uh, of course, we'll be talking about them here on the Rational Boomer Podcast. There's something I wanted to bring up that isn't really news-related but I, I feel it's important to mention, at least for me. Um, you know, I've been on uh, TikTok since November 18th, 2020. And when I started doing TikTok, there was a lot of people around me, friends, family, saying, that's fucking crazy. Don't do that. You'll look stupid. You'll be foolish and it won't work. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't fault them for thinking that because that would be common sense. For all we knew at the point was a kid's app. I'm a 60-year-old man, and I'm just going to do what I do. Nothing fancy on TikTok. So they were probably right that the odds were against me by doing TikTok. But here's the deal. And I try to explain people this to try to get them to understand it doesn't work out. Say you're a carpenter all your life. Then you decide to retire. What do you do if you want to pick up extra money or have a hobby or something like that? You probably do something along the lines of woodworking because that's what you know, that's what you're good at, and that's what you like to do. Well, the same is said for me. I worked many years in radio and in producing commercials and those sorts of things. So when I get to the point where I want to retire and I just want to do something I enjoy that I might have an aptitude at, well, it makes sense to do something along the lines of radio or television or something like that. Now, I have done some things on Facebook, but the exposure is fairly limited. And when I investigated what was happening out there in the social media apps, I found that TikTok really gave you more opportunity for exposure. Now, when I started, I knew I couldn't be your typical TikToker. I mean, I couldn't dance. I couldn't sing. I wasn't a thirst trap. I couldn't do all these little clever bits every day. I could do some funny stuff now and again, but I'm not going to come up with a bit every day because it's just almost impossible for me to do that. So when I was trying to decide what I would do, I knew I had to find some kind of niche. And I'm kind of a news junkie. I follow what's going on in politics and news. I certainly have some opinions about it because I pay attention to what's going on. And then I look deeper into it to try to get the real facts behind it. And I realize there are a lot of people out there that don't have the time or the interest or the motivation to dig as deep as I do. They hear what they hear on TV. And unfortunately, what TV tells you is just enough to get you excited so that you return and watch more. But it's hard to make decisions or form opinions if you don't know all the facts. So I've always spent time talking to my kids or my family or my friends, telling them what the real story is. Now, some of them are interested and some of them look at me like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> 
And that's a good question. Who the fuck cares? So I thought that, well, that's the only thing I know. I'm not going to do anything fancy. I'm going to sit in my chair in my living room. I'm going to talk my talk, say what I believe, say what I think, and give my opinion about the state of this country. Now, I was fortunate by the fact that when I started this, there's a lot of turmoil in this country between Donald Trump and all the things happening. There was a lot to talk about, and people are very interested in what's going on because they don't understand everything. They might be frightened. They might be excited, whatever it is. They have some emotion tied to what's going on in this country, and that's a good thing to jump on if you're going to do something like this. So it seemed all to fit. But even still, as I got started, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Now, fortunately, after I started, I got some positive reinforcement. I got some people liking what I had to say, which did surprise me. Because again, 60-year-old guy sitting in his chair in his living room just talking shit about politics. So that spurred me on a bit. Okay, I got a thousand followers. That's pretty cool. So then I decided, you know, I really need to make goals. And I've learned that early in life. Everyone must have something they're chasing after. They must have a goal. Because once you don't chase after something and once you don't have a goal, you're pretty much dead. I mean, if you're 90 years old, you should have something you're striving for to keep pushing you along, giving you something to think about, something to strive for. The other thing, I've used this as an excuse with my wife, too. I said, you know, if I'm doing this, I'm keeping my mind moving. I'm keeping thinking. I'm keeping talking. You got to exercise this brain if you want to keep it in its normal form. There are a lot of people who deal with dementia and, and uh, uh, in, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, cognitive abilities. The brain's like any other muscle. you got to make it work. And I did that all my life in my business and in my career. So now if I can continue to keep that working, hopefully it'll keep the brain healthy. Don't know if that's true, but it sounds good to me. And it's a good excuse to give my wife as to why I'm doing this. So anyway, I made a goal. And the goal was to get 50,000 followers. And at that point, it seemed kind of ridiculous and unlikely. But I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to see what happens. So I do the videos every day. See, that's that was the key here. I had to have a plan, and I had to stick to that plan. I saw what other people were doing. Before I ever went on TikTok, I watched it for probably a couple months for hours at a time just to see what people are doing and how they're doing it. So then I made a plan now that I want to reach 50,000 followers. I didn't change anything. I just kept doing what I do. I tried to get better at what I do. And once I got used to what I was doing on TikTok, it became easier. It became second nature. I mean, my whole life has been like that. I'll jump into something I know nothing about. I go in head first. I flail for a little while. And then I catch on. And then I try to perfect it and try to be better at it. So anyway, I reached the 50,000 point, and I'm amazed. People around me are amazed that I actually got that many people watching it. I've got a grandniece, which she's about 12 years old, and she watches TikTok and does some private TikTok stuff just for the family. And she came across my TikTok and said, my God, you're TikTok famous. I go, well, no, not really. There's a lot of people with a lot more followers. But she's intrigued that this old man was able to do 
that with the 50,000. So that was pretty exciting to me. And then what I did was I made another goal because you can never be without a goal. You can never be without something you're striving for. So I set the goal at 100,000 followers, and I wanted to do it before my first year anniversary came about. Now, I started doing TikToks in uh, November 18th of 2020. And as luck would have it, yesterday on November 7th, I reached 100,000 followers. I reached my goal. Now, I realize there are a lot of people with a lot more followers, and they've done it a lot quicker. But I'm not competing against anybody else on TikTok. I'm just competing with myself. I'm trying to see what I can do and strive for the best. And that's really the way to do it. I mean, there are people out here on TikTok that have millions of followers. And people follow them blindly like people did with Donald Trump because he is the shiniest thing in the room at the time. The thing you have to understand is that in all factions of life, there are good people and there are bad people. And just because somebody's successful at something doesn't mean they're good people. There are a lot of good people in kind of my niche. The older people talking about politics and stuff are very fine people. There are other people that have millions of followers and are pieces of shit. And part of the reason they are pieces of shit is because they get caught up in their own publicity. They got a million followers. Now they think they're a star. No, you're not a star. You're on TikTok. A million followers because they thought they were you were cute or you did something funny or crazy or whatever. That doesn't make you famous and that doesn't make you a star. And that's the the mindset you have to have with this. Uh, it's a big deal for me to reach 100,000 followers. But it's not because I'm trying to build a pedestal that I can stand on, hold my arms out and say, now I'm TikTok famous. First of all, I'm not. Second of all, I don't give a shit. You have to understand one other motivation I have to doing what I was doing, what I'm doing on TikTok and what I'm doing here with the podcast. I think I told you the story that when I was kind of forced out of my job at a radio station, I got very angry, and I just re, re, uh, I retired on the spot, much to their chagrin. But one of the last things I said to this clown who was allegedly my boss, but he was incompetent, untalented, and fucking stupid. One of the last things I said, I said, you know, on this radio station, you don't have a big following. Most people that are following the station, listen to what I'm doing because I was doing traffic at the time and it was valuable to people. I said, when I leave here, I'm going to do something just on the internet and I'm going to get more listeners on my own for me than you have on this whole fucking station. (laughs) Now, (laughs) now that sounds like somebody giving sour grapes because he's leaving the job. But in my head, I kind of felt that was a possibility Now, I did this like five years ago or more, maybe six years ago, and I never jumped into it. I mean, that's how it is with me. I know what I want to do. I know how to do it. But that first step to get it started is always the toughest part. I like to write. I'm a decent writer. But writing that first sentence is the hardest part. Once you do that first sentence, it's fine. Then it kind of flows. And that's how it kind of was with TikTok. I did it once, I did it twice, I started to get some positive reinforcement, and then it became easy. 
Now it's a matter of seeing a story, digging down, getting all the facts, and sitting down and talking about it here on the podcast or with TikTok. And I thankfully have got way more listeners on TikTok and the podcast than I ever had on that radio station or any other radio station I worked for. That tells you about the power of TikTok or the power of the internet. If you have something that people want to hear, they will find you and they will listen. And I like that because it takes all the bullshit out of the business. It's like the record business, which I also worked in. It's never about talent or content. It's about money and promotion. So you get a lot of people who are successful that maybe shouldn't be. And a lot of people that should be successful never get heard from. So this is kind of evening the playing field on the Internet, whether it be TikTok or the podcast. The point I'm trying to make here is that when you watch TikTok or other places on the Internet, you'll always see somebody who says, I'll make you TikTok famous. I'll show you how to get 100,000 followers in two days. And they're always trying to sell you some kind of plan or program, and it's going to cost you a bunch of money. Or some guru's going to try to tell you something and give you classes so you know how to be as successful as they are. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's all bullshit. To be successful, that power is within you. But it takes some work and it takes some focus. So I tell you about the plan I had and how I followed it to get 100,000 followers on TikTok. Not because I'm suggesting that you join TikTok and do that sort of thing. What I'm suggesting for myself and for all of you is that this applies to anything in your life. You don't need help. You don't need classes. You don't need tapes or recordings to tell you how to do it. You know how to do it because it's whatever's best for you. So find something you want. I mean, reasonable or possible. I mean, if you want to be a first round draft choice in the NFL and you're 55 years old, eh, it's not going to happen. But pick a reasonable thing that you want to do. Figure out how you're going to do it and then do it every day. Just do what you do every day. And there's a chance that you'll get to where you're going. Now, people will say, well, if I do that, and what if I fail? Well, what if you fail? Then what you do is you step back, you think for a while, you come up with a new plan, and then you keep pushing forward. I've been in business for the better part of my life, along with being in radio. And there are a number of things I failed with miserably. And when you do that, people lose confidence in you. And then it makes it tougher to keep doing it because everybody around you saying it's bullshit. And, and the fact of the matter is anybody who's been successful at anything has also failed a number of times. So you got to be able to pick yourself up, spin off that block and try something different or try it a different way. And you can do that with simple things, small things, or big things. you got to have a plan, and you got to follow the plan. But you are in full power of getting that done if you do what you're supposed to do. And that's the thing about this with the TikTok thing and getting 100,000 followers. It isn't about having 100,000 followers on TikTok or any other social media platform. It's really about me sitting down at 60 years old and saying, I want to do this, and I think this is how I should do it. 
I follow it through, and it's successful. So I'm proud of myself, not for being popular on TikTok or whatever, but being able to have enough sense to figure out what I want, how to go after it, and then just do it. That gives me confidence, and confidence spurs more success. So now this tells me I can do other things as well and be successful if I just do what I plan. And that's what I'm trying to tell you folks. A lot of folks that are listening to this podcast, I can tell by the demographics they give me on the anchor.fm webpage. Most of my people that are listening to me, I think are between, um, what, 40 and 55. And then there's people from 55 up to 70 or whatever. A lot of those people are listening. And that makes sense because... That's my age range. I'm 61 years old. I do have some younger kids and such, but mainly it's in that area. So when you do something, be true to yourself. Do what you do. Don't try to game the system. See, that's where a lot of people make a mistake on TikTok or anything. The first thing they think about is, what do I have to do to be successful on this. And now what you got to do is you got to figure out what that strategy is by watching somebody else. And then you got to take yourself out of that natural position that you're in and fake it to try to do something else. It's once you do that, it gets confusing and you can't be successful. You got to be confident in yourself and just do what you do. I worked at a radio station one time guy who ran the station is a guy I knew from the business. He said, Mike, I'd like you to be the production director of our station. And a production director, what he does is he gets all the copy from the salespeople and he produces and does commercials. So my my voice would uh, end up on a lot of the commercials because I was the production director. One day he comes to me, and now you got to understand, people in the radio business are tactless and dipshits. I knew that from the beginning, so I don't take anything personal. But he says to me, he says, Mike, I don't like your voice. It doesn't sound right. It sound doesn't fit with our station. <clears throat> I said, dude, you came after me. I've been in radio a long time. You hire me for this job. You know what my voice sounds like, but now you're giving me trouble for it. Well, of course, I took it, took it personally. And what I did is I tried to alter my voice to fit what he was looking for. You know what happened? Fucking worse. Way worse. I couldn't pull it off because I wasn't doing what I know how to do. I was trying to pretend to be somebody else, and it didn't work. Ultimately, I ended up leaving the job because I became frustrated, moved on someplace else, did a production director's job someplace else, and it went beautifully. Somebody else is telling me they don't like what I do. In doing what I'm doing with TikTok in the podcast, it finally gives me that autonomy or that freedom to say, fuck it. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if somebody else tells me I need to talk about this. I'm just going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And let's see if it becomes successful. So to be able to do the TikToks and have people listen to it and get a good following, And to do the podcast where people come and listen. And I don't have all these clowns that have told me, you can't do this, you shouldn't do that, you should do it this way. Without having them around and still having some success, that's how I want. 
I didn't have to game the system to win. I was just being me. And that's the message I think I'm trying to pass along to you, is just be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't be afraid to go after things. Too many people are afraid that they're going to fail. Don't be afraid of that because you are going to fail. No question about it. I've failed so many times. People have lost confidence in me, but I never lost confidence in myself. I just came up with a new idea and tried that. Ultimately, you do have some success. Some of it's small, some of it's big, but even the small successes get you to spur yourself on to try it again because you know you were on the right track. And that's where I'm at with this. When I started doing the TikToks, the whole point of it wasn't to do TikToks the rest of my life. It was to build a big enough audience to transfer over to do a podcast because this is where I feel the most comfortable. I worked in radio all my life. I sit here now with a microphone in front of me. I don't have to worry about how I look. I can just do what I do, say what I say, and if people like it, they'll listen. And if they don't, they won't listen. But either way, I win because I get to do what I want to do without anybody stopping me from doing it or trying to change how I do it. <laughs> Man, I'm starting to talk like a, uh, who's the guy? Well, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking like I'm a self-help guy and I'm not, but I do have some experiences in my life. And these are the things I try to give to my kids. Sometimes they accept them. Sometimes they don't. They look at me like, what the fuck do you know? That's the one thing I found about having kids. I can try to impart advice to them and it's good advice. And they look at you like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking to or talking about. But then my brother, he and I think a lot alike, my brother comes along, gives them the same advice, and they act like, oh my God, that's genius. I can't believe it. I never thought about that. That's brilliant. Yeah, I'm definitely doing that. <laughs> I guess that's part of being a parent. You're too close to them, and uh, they don't appreciate you for what you are. And, you know, that's fine. It's, it doesn't matter. It's just nice to have gone through the plan I did and have somebody, you know, whether it be 100,000 people or 2,000 people, it really doesn't matter. If you've got a faction of people out there that appreciate what you're doing, well, then keep fucking doing it. Because it doesn't matter how many people are watching or listening. So doing the TikToks, go over to the podcast. Now I'm doing everything I like to do. I've got an audience on the TikToks. I've got an audience on the podcast. You're probably thinking to yourself, what's your next goal? Well, the next goal would be to continue doing what I'm doing with the TikToks and at the same time, build the podcast bigger and bigger. Now, I'm surprised and thankful that the podcast has a lot of listeners now, but we've got a lot of room where we can build this up. But I'm not going to do any act, anything actively to directly force this to get bigger. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's growing steadily now, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I want to do it, and let it grow. All right. <laughs> Enough with the self-help stuff. We'll talk about some news right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling 
wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we've all been hearing about this tragedy in Houston, the Astro World Festival. 50,000 people ended up uh, at this gathering. Uh, Travis Scott was performing. Now, Travis Scott got on stage, and the crowd surged toward the stage. Now, people were getting squished. People were getting trampled. People were getting hurt. There were mosh pits where there was violence. It was a crazy scene. When you hear people talk about it now, they were scared to death. They were horrified by what they saw. And, and and ultimately what happened is you had dozens of people injured because of this fun concert. And the real sad thing is that there were 80 pe- or eight people that died. I mean, people were talking about getting out of there saying they couldn't breathe because they were so crushed so hard. And you've probably been in a situation like that, maybe on a smaller scale, where everybody's bunching around you and pushing you and you really don't have any control over your body because you're just going with the flow of the crowd. Now, it's funny. People are talking about uh, lawsuits. I guess there already are some lawsuits against uh, the promoter, the city, and against Travis Scott. Now, here's the interesting thing. Travis Scott is tearful, and sad about all that happened, and we're supposed to feel sorry for him. Yet there's also video of him on stage encouraging the crowd, telling people to beat the hell out of a guy who's already injured and maybe dead. You know, Travis Scott is Travis Scott. I don't even really know much about him because I don't listen to his music. And why? Well, because I'm fucking 60, and I'd rather listen to Led Zeppelin. But here's the point. This guy's on stage encouraging, enticing, and provoking this crowd to get crazier and crazier. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people get hurt and eight people die. Now, he's trying to avoid getting sued. I'm going to tell you this. Travis Scott, the uh, city of of, uh, Houston, and uh, the promoter, they will all get sued And they will all lose their lawsuit. They're going to be peeling off a lot of money. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, how can you say that? How do you know for sure they're going to lose? And I will have to tell you, there's precedence for this. You see, this isn't the first time something like this happened. What's that phrase? If you don't pay attention to history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, for those old folks in the audience here, around my vintage, you might remember this did happen before. In December of 1979 at Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, the group The Who was scheduled to play. Now, the doors opened to the, or the doors were supposed to open at three o'clock in the afternoon, but they didn't. About 7,000 people crowded outside the, uh, the doors. And it got to be 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, but nothing. 
And then around 7 o'clock after these people have sat there for four hours, becoming anxious, excited, mad, angry, whatever, they open one door on one side and another door on the other side. Of course, people rush to those doors. They're trying to crowd in, and it's kind of a crazy mess. Then some people do get inside, and they hear some music coming out of the auditorium. They think the, the concert has already started. These people just didn't let them in, so this makes them even more angry, more upset, more anxious. What, in fact, they heard was the Who doing a... Uh, uh, mic test or a sound check. So the show hadn't started, but they got the uh, the idea that it did. And given that it took them four hours to get in the building when it should have been three and it was now seven, it's reasonable to think that maybe some idiot didn't open up the doors early enough and the concert had already started. They paid this money, now they're going to miss the concert. So it gets to be a melee outside the front of this Coliseum. And again, remember, this is 1979. Some of you weren't even born yet. <laughs> so it gets real excitable out there. People are pushing and shoving, trying to get in. There's 7,000 people going crazy, mad, upset, getting in fights, whatever. When it was all said and done, there were 26 people, maybe more, that were injured, seriously. And then 11 people died of asphyxiation, either because they were jammed together too tight into a corner, into a wall, underneath people, getting trampled, whatever it was. There were 11 people that died that day in December in 1979. So you see, this has happened before. And we know that when it happened, people sued the promoter, the city, and uh, and the artist, the who, in that case. So it was a city of Cincinnati, the promoter, and the who. They all got sued. And you know what? They all fucking lost. And they should have lost, to be perfectly honest with you, when you think about it. I mean, if you're pulling together a crowd of 20,000 people, 50,000 people, even 10,000 people, the first and foremost thing you should have is some kind of security that can handle that group of people. Now, part of it was also this festival seating thing. People got really upset about it, and I don't think it's done much anymore, but it is still done in some places. What festival seating means is you pay for a ticket, you walk in, and you sit wherever you can find a spot. You don't have assigned seats. Now, when you do that, you have a bunch of people going crazy, fighting over seats and rushing to the front and all that kind of thing. In this particular instance, in Cincinnati in 1979, these people hadn't even gotten in the door. This was in front of the building. Again, at the Houston uh, Astro World Festival, eight people died. In Cincinnati in 1979, 11 people died. And it's all because of the incompetence and negligence of the promoter, the the holder of the event and the city, and not to mention the band. Now, the question is, and I don't know the answer to this, but I can only imagine. Part of the problem with what happened in Cincinnati was that people got there at 3. That's when the doors were supposed to be opening up, but they didn't open up till 7. So what happened? 
I don't know about nowadays, but back in those days, it was unusual for acts to come out an hour late, two hours late, three hours late. And it's conceivable that the Who did just that. They came late, they didn't give a shit, and they got on stage when they got on stage. So you've already wired up all these people out in front of the building. Then you made it hard for them to get in. Then they felt like they were missing the concert. Whenever you get a crowd put together, you get a mob mentality. It's a uh, every man for himself. And that's when we get these kinds of disasters. The fact that we're in kind of a world now where it's more adversarial and people don't have patience and they aren't, they aren't uh, polite anymore, the idea of fights starting or violent situations starting up is even more of a concern, more of a risk these days. So Travis Scott, the promoter, the city, they're all going to get sued probably for millions of dollars, and they will probably lose given that that's what happened in 1979, a very similar situation. I'm really troubled about this Travis Scott, though. I watched some video, and he's up there taunting the crowd, enraging the crowd, inciting the crowd, and now he wants to cry and say, oh, I feel so bad about this. Fuck you. You arrogant fuck, you stood on that stage as people were dying and you pushed to make it worse. Now, some might say, well, he didn't know somebody was dying. No, he didn't. But he certainly could see that people were hurt and other people were getting hurt. Take a fucking hint for Christ's sake. Do what you can to diminish the problems that are going on in the crowd. You inciting them, they're there for you. You have all the power, shut it down. Doesn't this sound familiar? This is how it sounds familiar. January 6th, the insurrection. Donald Trump did everything he could to incite the insurrection. Now, had Donald Trump said something to calm it down, it would have helped. But he refused to do it, much like Travis Scott did in this instance. Now, I can't blame the who as much um, in 79 because... They hadn't even gotten in to see the Who yet. They weren't doing anything out of the ordinary other than showing up late. But this is a troubling thing, and this is a problem that's going to get worse. Hopefully, this will cause people that want to have events like this as a, uh, uh, have a better sense of security. I had one circumstance like this, and it was a little scary. My wife and I, my brother and his wife, we were in... Las Vegas one day. We're at the Flamingo Hotel. We're walking down a hallway. Now, keep in mind, my wife is about eight months pregnant at this point with my first son. We're walking down the hallway, and then all of a sudden we see a rustle, people getting excited. And apparently the Jacksons, the group the Jacksons, is wa- including Janet Jackson, is walking through the hallway. Well, of course, everybody piled into there, and they're crushing everybody in the area just to see the Jacksons. Now, my wife and I are standing there, and we're getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back to the wall. And I'm not really thinking much of it. Let them pass and get it done. And then I see people crowding my wife. Now, remember, she's eight months pregnant. Now I'm getting fucking furious because they're not only putting us at risk, they're putting the baby at risk. And they're not paying any attention to her condition or what's happening with her. All they give a fuck is to the Jacksons. So if it hurts her or hurts the baby, they don't give a fuck. So at that point, I'm standing in front of her trying to take some of the crush and just pushing people violently away, just trying to keep them off her. 
That was not a pleasant experience. That was kind of scary, all because people got excited about some dumb fuck celebrities. It's a scary situation. And we really need to look at how we handle those things. Because eight people dying in Houston or 11 people dying in Cincinnati is not fucking acceptable when all you're doing is going to a concert hoping to have fun that night. There is no excuse for it. Somebody has to be responsible. Somebody has to be accountable. And that should be the people putting on the fucking event. Anyhow, let's move on. (laughs) Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers real quickly. We know all about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about it. He lied about being vaccinated. He got COVID. He's getting torn down and canceled by cancel culture, and he's whining about it. What you have to understand about Aaron Rodgers, he's a narcissistic, sociopathic fuck. He only cares about himself. So he does an interview with some guy named McAfee. I should know who he is, but I don't. Um... And he's talking about what he was doing. He said, I didn't lie. I was doing things to keep from getting COVID. I said, really? And and so he's talking about how he um, consulted with his good friend, Joe Rogan. Are you fucking kidding me? Joe Rogan, I've listened to his show on occasion. And whenever he's been proven wrong, he said this. This is a quote from Joe Rogan. Well, I'm just a professional dipshit or dumb shit. And that's true. He is. He's another arrogant, narcissistic piece of shit. I don't listen to his show because I can't handle his mentality. He seems to flip-flop from one side to the other side. All he's trying to do is do clickbait to get more followers. Now he's got... uh, this contract with whoever, making tons of money, and uh, he doesn't give a fuck about the people. So anyway, um, Aaron Rodgers gets all his medical advice from Joe Rogan, and he says, I'm taking ivermectin and some of the other things that Joe Rogan has suggested. Are you fucking kidding me? Here's a guy that goes on Jeopardy, is supposed to be smart. And he can't do enough reading to figure out that ivermectin doesn't work for the first place. Secondly, it's a cattle dewormer. And this dumb fuck says that to try to save himself from from being caught lying about having the vaccination. Now he puts his team, other teams, all the people that work for the team, people at the parties he went to, he puts them all at risk. And now all he's crying about is he's going to get canceled. Two words for Aaron Rodgers. Those two words are, fuck you. You deserve to be canceled. You're an arrogant fuck and uh, uh, you have rights. Yes, you do. But the moment your rights infringe on somebody else's rights, that's where your fucking rights stop. Somebody needs to shut this guy down. The NFL is in the process of investigating it. This could cost him money, cost the team money. I don't know if there's any suspension in this. I'm guessing not. But I'm getting a lot of comments from people in Green Bay that are big Green Bay Packer fans that now fucking hate Aaron Rodgers. I think they were getting sick of him anyway when he did this holdout this year, thinking he's a hot shot, that he's going to run away and get money. Then he couldn't pull it off. He had to come back, and he's just a piece of shit. So I hope I hope Aaron Rodgers gets fucking canceled. 
All right, a couple of other things. Roger Stone is flapping his lips again. I don't know why he's talking, because this clown's going to get put back in jail, and he's not going to have Trump available to pardon him. But Roger Stone said he will run for Florida governor if Ron DeSantis does not demand an election audit. Now, keep in mind, Donald Trump won Florida. The fact of the matter is, I think if you looked into it, he maybe did not win Florida, and maybe they should shut their mouth and not look into this. But Roger Stone's insisting that there be an audit. You know, we've had audits in other places. Texas was supposed to have an audit, even though he won Texas. I don't know what they hope to accomplish. I think what they're trying to do is uh, question the integrity of elections in general, so that if they ever lose, that they can complain and try to pull the shit they're pulling now. Roger Stone was involved in the insurrection. He says he's not. But the fact of the matter is there's video that shows he was there. And not only there, consulting with people in the Oath Keepers group. This fucker was part of it. And what we heard from Rolling Stone is that there's a lot of information about people in Congress and other people that were dealing with the insurrectionist in planning sessions and tours and all that kind of shit. Roger Stone's going to get nailed. But he's another arrogant, narcissist fuck. Last thing I want to talk about is the ultimate in arrogant, narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liars. Of course, Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump's all upset about this infrastructure bill being passed, the bipartisan infrastructure bill being passed by the Democrats and Joe Biden. Oh, man, he's upset. And why wouldn't he be? He talked for four years about infrastructure, infrastructure week this, infrastructure week that. But he was never, ever able to even come close to get anything passed. So now he's complaining about Biden because Biden just kicked his ass by doing what he couldn't do. And he's saying, you know, only 11% of this bill is actually going to infrastructure. Well, we know that's bullshit. In my previous podcast and on TikTok, I talked about all the things that it's going to impact. Every one of those things is appropriate for infrastructure. But again, Donald Trump just says whatever the fuck he wants, and dumb fucks will believe him. This is why we need to be informed. This is why we need to understand what the truth is. Because we got people like this fucking idiot gaslighting people, and the dumber of us believe it. So you get a group of people, 25, 30% of this country, that believe bullshit just because it came out of Donald Trump's mouth, even though we know he's a pathological liar. But Donald Trump is very mad at the rhinos. That means Republicans in name only, because there were some Republicans that voted for this bipartisan infrastructure bill. Why should that be a surprise? It's called a bipartisan infrastructure bill. There were 13 Republicans that voted for it. Now, everybody's mad at them. The Kevin McCarthy's and the Lauren Boebert's and, of course, Donald Trump mad at them for having the audacity to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill. When they say bipartisan doesn't mean both sides kind of agreed on it and they should all vote for it. See, that's the point. They don't care if it's good for the country. They don't want to do anything that's good or at least 
perceived as good for the Democrats. So they'll vote against you, keep stuff away from you just to own the Democrats. And that gets tiring after a while. It's fucking very tiring. So he puts out his little... uh, his little press release, because that's his social media platform. He had that other one going that was going to be a big thing, and that just kind of died too. He's a fucking idiot and can't do anything. Everything he touches dies. Everything he does fails. That has been the case. So he puts this out, mad at the rhinos, trying to claim the infrastructure bill doesn't really address infrastructure when we know it does. It's very easy to read the bill, but I guarantee you Donald Trump didn't read the bill. I wonder what he's going to do when the reconciliation bills pass. He's going to shit his pants. Because there's another thing that he couldn't do and promised during his tenure— He always kept telling us, oh, I've got a medical care plan. It's better and bigger than anything else we've had. It's cheaper and everybody will get it. We kept asking for the the, the bill, asking for the information. He'd always say, oh, it'll be next week or two weeks from now. Never once did they provide any plan for medical care or health care. Not once. Now, when the reconciliation bill comes out, a couple things will happen. They're going to expand the things it covers with Medicare and in Obamacare. But the most important thing that's going to happen in that reconciliation bill is it's going to make it so that health care, the amount you pay for health care, can only be 7% of your income. Now, I know people paying a lot of money in health care. I'm paying a lot of money in health care. My wife and I, we pay about $1,200 a month. I guarantee you that's not 7% of my income. I wish it was, but it's not. It's a lot of money. So if he can set it up, get better coverage with Obamacare, and limit the pricing to 7% of somebody's income, That is going to do huge things for the people in this country. It's the first step to fixing our problems with health care. Joe Biden's going to do that with the reconciliation bill. Donald Trump, of course, spent four years doing fucking nothing. I've talked about this before. The only thing he accomplished was this big tax cut that he talked about. Only thing is, 85% of it went to the rich. We got the crumbs. The rich got the perpetual tax cut. And we got it for a temporary term. And at this point, those tax cuts were taken back. We got fucked in that deal. And that's the only thing he can hang his hat on. And uh, it's shitty. It's absolutely shitty. The next thing Biden should do is repeal or take back that tax cut he gave the rich and use that $2 trillion to pay for the reconciliation bill. They're talking 1.75 or 1.9. You cancel that $2 trillion tax cut welfare for the rich and add it to the new yeah, add it to the uh, new reconciliation bill. It's fucking paid for. The rich people are paying for it like they should. So we'll see what happens with that. The uh, Congress is off this week. They'll be back the week after, and that's when we should start to see some progress with the reconciliation bill. All right, running out of time here. I want to thank you for taking the time that you 
have here on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thank you for the 100,000 followers. Now, I like to call them peers and people of a like mind. I'm not interested in followers. I'm just interested in people that think like me or at least partially like me, and we can come together and talk about ideas and maybe have some power in this country. So I call them followers only because TikTok does, but I don't see them as that. Thank you for the 100,000 there. Thank you for the constantly growing audience that is here with the Rational Boomer podcast. All right, we'll wrap it up, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.